Um, let's just do a quick prayer while you're standing. Lord, I thank you for your word, oh God. I thank you for this opportunity, oh Lord. I pray that you speak to me, oh God, and give me enlightenment and give life to the left, oh God. That we, we may have revelation and have understanding, oh Father. We may digest your word and practice it, oh Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good. All the time. The word says, let the redeemed say so. So let's say so. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, today's word is mercy of God. Mercy of God. I just give him thanks and praise and honor and glory when I think of all that he has done for me. Mercy of God. In thinking of the mercies of God, I remember how I, I even first got to the church, the Pentecostal Church of Faith. And what the Pentecostal Church of Faith reminds me of is my church back home in Guyana, when I used to live in Guyana. Um, I had a church in which I first met Christ in, and um, the pastor there reminded me so much of Pastor Cooper, and the church there reminded me so much of this church. Uh, pastor was a female pastor as well. Uh, her husband passed away just before I joined the church. Uh, same thing here. Uh, I remember the husband passed away before I joined the church. And uh, the same way that she would, you know, lead her congregation, Pastor Cooper's style reminds me a lot of that, you know. Um, I remember back home again after my pastor, uh, after her husband passed away, uh, she had a few issues in the church of people wanting to come and take over the church from her because they didn't believe in a female pastor. And you know, similar struggles uh, that uh, pastor people had. And so what happened was when I came to America in 2009, I wasn't in a good situation. I wasn't comfortable. And so I, I was living in New York and I left New York and I went on a journey on a journey, not a purpose-chasing journey, but a money-chasing journey. I was looking for better opportunity. So, in light of that, I felt God always wanted me to be here, right? But from New York to Connecticut is a four-hour trip. But that's not where I went. I went to Maryland, and then from Maryland, I went to Kansas, and then from Kansas, and that was a uh, six-year span from Kansas. But all those times when I was searching in those different states, right, I had a plan, and God had his plan as well. You know, I was searching for better opportunity, a, way, a better way of making money, but God always had a purpose in mind for me. 
and I could have went just from New York to Connecticut, right where God wanted that purpose to line up for me. But I wasn't ready. So I went to that journey, and God went with me. And I fell. I fell in sin many times. And uh, the same passing day and her son and I had grown very close. And he would constantly sow seeds in me and say, hey, you gotta get back in the church. You gotta get into a church. You gotta find a church. He would constantly tell me stuff like that. And he, I would always confess everything to him. So he would know my sin. He would know my struggles. He would know the reason why I, I, I would fall. But he never focused on that. What he focused on was planting that seed for me to go where God is. For me to find myself into a church. And then I came to Connecticut in 2015 and I, and I went to different churches because I said, I remember that seed that he sowed in me and I said, I gotta find a church. And uh, I drove past here and I saw the church. I saw the number in the front and I called it. And Pastor people picked up the phone. And then uh, she told me when service was. I came, I remember Sister Sue at the door. At that time it was much, much skinnier, much skinny. I didn't have all this at that time. And uh, the way I was dressed, she thought I was a, a bad boy. So she said, brother, you know this is a church. I said, I know, that's why I came. And uh, she let me in and I came in and uh, the rest is history, Amen. you know? But I was speaking to my pastor back home, her son, and I was telling him that I felt like the church in, in Guyana was God's way of mirroring the Pentecostal church of faith to show me where I belong. Because I'll tell you, this is my home. Amen. This is where I belong. Amen. 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 that it felt like God was really mirroring here uh, you know where I belong and uh, in 2019 his mom the pastor back home you know she passed away and then in November and, and, and when she passed away you know that, that sting of death I felt it and then in December my dad passed away and again that sting of death, I felt it. But no matter how much I felt, right, I could never really understand, or I could never really feel, or I could never really experience what my pastor's son was experiencing. Likewise, uh, there's no way we could come to church and you know spend time with someone. They sit next to you, they testify with you, they pray with you, and you drop them home, and that person passed away, and you not feel some type of sting of death, you know? And that's what we're experiencing right now. And likewise, the same thing I say, even with Gene, we can't fully understand or experience what he's experiencing, because we don't live in his body. 
we don't seek through the windows of his soul like he does. He does, right? We can have an experience like it, but we can never have that same experience unless we're the same person, you know? The reason why I'm saying this is, I believe this, the church is under attack. And whenever there is birth pains, a baby is about to be born. And this time, I'm not gonna let it be like the last time, whereby I traveled from New York to Maryland to Kansas before coming to Connecticut. This time, when I'm seeing the birth pains, I'm having my ears stretched out to God, and I'm having my head up to the sky, and I'm setting myself and I'm waiting to see where the blessings is gonna drop. Because if the enemy is fighting us, if the enemy is causing death in the church, is something that he's trying to stop. Yeah. And I'm saying that we, as the body of Christ, can't just let it have his way. That's right. I'm saying we have to understand how to fight the enemy. If the devil want to box, let's box with him. All right. But we're not going to just turn over a leaf. It's not the way it's going to happen. Today and any other day, moving forward, we got to be prepared. We have to understand and be in the word of God and know exactly what's happening. If there's birth pains, then the baby's about to be born. Mm -hmm. That's why the Bible says rejoice when mm -hmm. trial and tribulations come. Mm -hmm. The devil know that the Pentecostal church of faith is about to move up that's in right. some days. We are about to go somewhere. And that's what, that's what he's trying to prevent. Yeah. But I to let you know today that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. All right. No weapon form against shall prosper. We are going to step out of the boat and not be afraid right. of the storms. The Pentecostal Church of Faith, I'm going to be ready. Okay. Amen. And I'm hoping everybody else is going to be ready. I'm hoping that our hands are held to the sky, our arms are stretched out, and our ears are ready to be prepared to receive whatever goodness God has for us. You see, the reason why I say uh, today's sermon is the mercy of God is we have to understand and we have to give credit where credit is due. And we have to understand why the enemy does what he does. The enemy always tries to kick you when you're low. Yes, he does. Always does. He's smart. He's seen that smart. So what does he do? You know, so every time bad situations happen, we are almost always I don't know if it's human nature, it probably is. We're always ready to blame God. Mm. You know, mm. we're always ready to say, God, why? Mm -hmm. God, how? God, you're supposed to be there for me. But the Bible said it's the devil that's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Right. The Bible said that the devil is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes. It's not God. Bible said Jesus came that we may have life yes. and life more abundance to the full. Any good thing, the Bible says, all good gifts come from God. Yes. So if there's any good thing that you have, God did done it. Amen. It was God who done it. Any good thing that you have. So we have to understand today where that attack is coming from. Mm -hmm. So we know that is coming from the enemy, so we can fight the enemy. That's right. And we have to, in order for us to understand that, 
The enemy is trying to get us to condemn ourselves. Because if you don't understand how merciful God is, you don't know when you fall how to reach out to him. Yes. So that's why today the word is the mercy of God. So we could really understand his goodness. You could really understand how much God loves you. And I'm going to say something really bold today. I'm going to say something really bold. That God's grace, God's mercy is greater than his wrath. A lot of people don't believe that because they believe God's wrath is greater than his mercy. But I tell you today, God's mercy, God's grace is greater than his wrath. God don't be up sitting in heaven ready to play whack-a-mole with us. No. Looking to see if we're going to mess up. If God wanted you there, you would have been there already. That's so true. You alive. You would have waking up this morning. Mm -hmm. You would have been born into this world. Mm -hmm. That's not the type of God we serve, church. Mm -hmm. We have to understand that God is a loving and merciful God. Mercy. A wonderful and merciful God. His love, His grace, His mercy is greater than His wrath. Yes. God is not looking for us to mess up. He know we were going to mess up. Mm -hmm. Before He created us, before you were formed in your mother's womb, He could have caused you not to be born. Mm -hmm. But you hear, like I said, you woke up this morning. Yes. You got to, the sun is out today. Yes. Rain falls when it's time needed to fall. Yes. And the wind blows when it's time for it needs to be blown. And all good things come from God. Yes. So God is not after us. The greatest evidence that God's mercy is greater in his, in his wrath is look at Adam and Eve. When they sin and cause all men to fall in sin, God had the opportunity right then and there to say, let me be done with man. Let me wipe them off the face of the earth. Let me not look back. And he would have been justified because we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But what did he do? Instead, he chose compassion. God chose compassion and didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up to be sacrificed that we may be adopted back into the kingdom. And that is the greatest evidence that when he had the chance to, instead he chose to stretch out his hand and show us love. So we have to get this mindset out of God is always looking to play whack-a-mole with us yes. and hurt us and fight us. Some people don't want to pray because they want to say, oh, be careful what you ask for. You know what I'm saying? But God is a giver of good gifts. That's right. God is not rewarding people. A good God doesn't reward with evil. Mm -mm. And we have to understand that. So when we go to pray with him, we have to understand that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. And he's a good God. And he's a merciful God. And he has a good plan and a good expected end for us. Amen. That's the loving God that we serve. That we honor. That's looking up for us. He knows the hairs, the hair numbered on our heads. Yes, he does. He knows us by name. Mm -hmm. He calls us friend. Yeah. He's a merciful God. So when these things happen to us, we have to understand where to place the blame 
and where to look for, for help. Because if you place the blame on God, then you're not going to want to look to him for help. And that's a trick of the enemy. He wants to have you there because he knows this almighty, great God is always ready to represent us. So he doesn't want you running to him. He wants you to stay by yourself and think that God is ready to be after you. But that's not God's plan. It's not God's plan at all. So I want to show you some scriptures today. Romans 8, 38, 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the high nor the depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You really think your sin is enough to separate you from God? He knows the sins you would have committed even before you were born. He knew the sins you would have committed even before he chose you to be born again. And he still made the decision to do so. But yet, we feel guilt. Yet, we feel condemnation. Condemnation is of the enemy. Let those feelings go and understand that God knew we were going to mess up and he chose us anyway. What he wants us to do is continue walking the path of righteousness. No matter how many times you fall, he wants you to stand up and move forward. That's what God wants to do. Get up and move forward to trust in God. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. You have to say amen. amen. At the, I'm going to read from the New International Version. At the time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrated the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you, that something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned 
the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Basically, in the days of the Jewish and Israel of Israel, they had the laws passed down by Moses on what is righteous and what is not righteous, and what should be done and what should not be done. And so the, the Pharisees were looking for a way to criticize Jesus. And they found something because his disciples were working to eat on the Sabbath. But here Jesus showed them that God desires mercy over sacrifice. The Sabbath was not, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. Everything that God has given man, God made it for man and man not for that thing. God does not desire the Sabbath over the man. God desires mercy. So even though it was not lawful, in God's eye it was not a sin because it was something merciful. God does not expect us to starve in order to honor a day. He made the day to honor us. And that's what Jesus is trying to show them. He's trying to give them a glimpse of how merciful God is in this scripture. I want to turn to one other scripture that's going to be John 8. Uh, I could read it, everyone could follow. I'll be reading from the New International Version. I want to show us quite a few scriptures because I really want us to understand and learn and comprehend God's love. Because if we don't understand God's love and His mercy, then it's very easy for us to condemn ourselves. You see, the guilt of sin pushes you away from God, not to God. And God didn't give the law so the man could have the guilt of sin. He gave the law so the man could understand that they can't do it by themselves. So they could understand that yes, that sin is there so that we could seek him who could do it all for us. Because nobody is perfect. Everyone has an issue. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Everyone has an issue. Some people's sins are more visible to the public than others. And some people's sins are kept private. But we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we have to come to God boldly, knowing that despite of who we are, He still chose us. Knowing that in spite of who we are, He still came and died for us. And come to Him in all boldness and receive His grace. I'm not saying this is an excuse to sin. No, that's not the path we want. It's not an excuse to sin at all. It's understanding that when you fall, you have a gracious and merciful God to cling to that is ready to forgive you. Just like the prodigal son, he came to his senses and said, I will go to my father's house. Why? Because he understood how merciful his father was. Despite doing all that he did, he took the money from his father, he went out, you know, he threw parties, he went with prostitutes, he went with all that 
He went crazy. He was eating from pigs. And then one day he came to his senses and remembered how merciful his father was that even the servants in his father's house had more than he had at that time. And he said, let me go to my father's house. And that's kind of what happened with me when I was, you know, going on my journey and start searching for church. My friend back in Guyana, he didn't, he was never focusing on my, my fallen state or my sin. He kept planting that seed. And so when it came time, because he wasn't focusing on the sin, I also wasn't focusing on the sin. So the condemnation was removed. And because the condemnation was removed, I was able to find this church. I was able to understand that my place is here. Because someone decided to not give up, to not condemn me, but continue to plant the word of God inside of me. And that's why I'm here today. And that's what I want to show you guys. So I will read, and everyone could follow, verse 1. But Jesus went to Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all people were gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a bias for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he strengthened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at them. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time. The oldest ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. You see what's happening there? One of the questions that came to my mind when I read this scripture passage is, the woman was caught in the act of adultery. Well, how could she commit adultery by herself? Mm. That's right. We were the men that was caught in the act with her. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different sermon by itself. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> right? But here they wanted to condemn her. But what really caught my attention is at the end, Jesus says, Go now and leave your sin. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your sin. You see what he did there? Because the condemnation was removed. Now, she can serve God without a guilty conscience mind. Without a guilty conscience state. This is Jesus showing us here. He knew what she committed. 
and he forgiven her anyway. This is the same thing God has done for us when he sent Jesus in the first place. So this is to show you the mercy of God. If she still felt that guilty conscience of her sin and condemnation, then she wouldn't have been able to serve God freely because she would be in bondage to that state of mind that you could never be able to do better. God came to remove that from us. So even when we fall, we could return back to Him, to His grace and His mercy, and try again and keep trying because that's a human nature. We are not perfect. There's one more scripture uh, I would like us to read, and it's in the book of Jonah. I will read and uh, everyone will follow. I will start from uh, Jonah 3, verse 8, because I really want you to uh, see from Jonah's perspective with God, how merciful God is. And no one else but Jonah, no one, no one else has better of knowing God in this situation than Jonah was, because Jonah was very, very disobedient. Some preacher, even preachers even believe Jonah was very foolish in the way he behaved, right? God came to Jonah and God sent Jonah on a mission. God said, go to Nineveh and preach. Let them know that they are about to have my wrath because of their sin have came up to me. And that, that alone by itself showed God's mercy because God could have just rained down fire and brimstone, but instead he wants to warn them and give them an opportunity to change. So that of himself is mercy. But Jonah, being Jonah, decided to do his own thing. And Jonah went to the ship, got cast out to sea. He cried out to God. God was merciful to him. And Jonah ended up in Nineveh. And this is where we are in the scripture right now. So Jonah 3, 8. But this is, the, uh, this is the king speaking. But let the man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. And who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, mm -hmm. and they turned from their evil way. Mm -hmm. And God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. Jonah 4, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. This is why Jonah was angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tashish, for I knew that thou art gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentance thee of the evil. So Jonah is saying that he knew from the beginning of awesome how kind how merciful 
how slow to wrath God is. So he felt he's about to waste his time. Mm -hmm. Because he knew if when he take the trip to go preach to this wicked city, and they say, oh God, I'm sorry, forgive me, mm -hmm. and turn away from the wicked ways, Jonah knew God so good that you didn't know that God was going to forgive them. So Jonah was like, I ain't going. I'm, I'm going on my own route. Jonah jumped on the boat in the opposite direction. I ain't going nowhere. Jonah knew God. And there's something, even though a lot of people say Jonah was foolish in his disobedience, what I admire is that he knew God. And this is the one thing God has given us the boast of, knowing him. Jonah knew how merciful God was. Before even going on the trip, Jonah knew that they wouldn't have fell into judgment. The first day, the city turned away from, from, from their evil. And they cried out to God, and God forgave them. And Jonah was mad because he felt he took the trip. He ended up in a fish's belly. Three days, three nights. Got spitting out, vomited out on land just to go to tell some people that God gonna punish them just for God don't punish them but nothing else if nothing else this shows you how merciful God is God is his mercy and his grace renews daily he's always looking for ways to stretch out his hands to us to help us not to hurt us yes. and this is why I say we really have to understand when things happen to us, we gotta, like Jean said this morning, you gotta examine yourself. Mm -hmm. You gotta have some self-accountability and not try to just blame God. Mm -hmm. Because nine out of 10 times, something go wrong, is either the devil, the enemy, the devil, or your enemy, you. Mm -hmm. You wanted to do your own thing, just like Jonah did. Mm -hmm. God said, Jonah, go here. Jonah went there. Jonah went there. The storm come, end up in a fisher belly. Guess what he did? He cried to God. Again, he knows God, how merciful God is. What God did? God helped Jonah. The fish bombed him out. But that was Jonah's enemy working and causing trouble on his own behalf. That wasn't God. He couldn't have and he knew better, he couldn't blame God. He didn't say, God, it's your fault I end up in the wheel belly. Jonah knew. If you read the scriptures, when he was in the boat, they asked, they tossed lots, and it fell on Jonah, and they said, Jonah, you caused this? And Jonah said, yes, I did. Because God sent me on an assignment, and I went my own way. The same thing happened with me when I first came to America. God had his plan, and I had my plan. You know how much trouble I had living in Maryland? You know how much trouble I had living in Kansas? Ooh, the racism I went through. You know what I'm saying? But I chose that path, and God went with me anyway. But at the end of the day, just like Jonah, he brought me where I was supposed to be. And that's what a lot of us go through. We end up going through circles because we want to go on our, our own path. And our own path is troubled. Our old path is full of spikes. It was better just coming four hours 
than traveling all around those different states. It was better for Jonah to just go to Nineveh. I'm not saying there's no prop, there's no trouble that Jonah is not going to run into headed to Nineveh. It was most likely trouble he's going to run into. I know he wouldn't end up in a whale's stomach. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a whale, a big fish stomach. Big fish, yes. You know, but that's the path he chose. And that's where he ended up. And even though he chose the wrong, the wrong path, what, was, what did God do? God was still ready and there to be merciful, to help Jonah. And in every situation of our life, when we go through it, we have to cry, Abba, Father, and understand that he's ready. God is there sitting with his boxing gloves on. In that chair in his corner, rumbling like a gorilla. Mm -hmm. Who's going to touch my kid? Mm -hmm. I'm ready to fight. God is really there, sitting right there, waiting for that. But that, that's why the devil wants us to condemn ourselves. Yes. Because he don't want God involved. You know, just like a little bully in high school. When the big brother comes, the bully got to run. Mm -hmm. And God is that big brother waiting waiting to represent us. But we have to understand, if we don't understand how merciful and how loving and how kind and how slow to wrath he is, and we misunderstand him, then we're not going to go to him in time of need. We're not going to understand that God would part a red sea for us. That's literally what he did for the children of Israel. He parted an entire sea. He brought manna down from heaven. He gave them a cloud in the day to keep them cool. And he gave them a fire at night to keep them warm. Mm -hmm. That's the type of God that we serve. So anything that you have good, know that it came from God. And when bad things happen, understand that's part of life. Understand that there's some self-accountability. Understand that we have an enemy who's a roaring lion looking to see who he may devour. Mm -hmm. But understand that God has nothing in store for us but goodness and mercy and kindness and love and grace. And his grace is sufficient. Thank you. Amen.